beginning with verse number 33, Luke 23 and verse 33. Praise God. Amen. Luke 23 and 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, and said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him. And I want you to look at this, saying... He saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save Thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. I, I want you to notice, I want you to notice in, in verse 35, it is the crowd that's gathered around the cross. And the challenge that they issued him was, if you are who you say you are, then save yourself. Then the soldiers took up that same challenge. And they began to, to say the same thing. They said, if you're really the king of the Jews, prove it by saving yourself. Then one of the thieves hanging beside him took up the same challenge to issue. And he said, if you are the Christ, save yourself. And save us. I, I want to talk to you for just a little while this morning about the challenges and the choice. The challenges and the choice. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's, let's talk to the Lord. Saints of God, I need you to help me this morning, would you? This is a crucial moment right now in this service. And I need some people to really get under a burden to get into the spirit this morning and ask God to help me and to touch hearts. Let's, let's everybody talk to the Lord right now.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's worship the Lord, everybody. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The story of the cross as it has been depicted here this morning is a story that I'm sure all of us know. And yet, I'm not sure that all of us really know the details of that story. As good as the program was, I want to tell you there was a, and, and please, I'm not criticizing, I'm just explaining, but there was a major flaw in the program, and it was this. The Jesus that was on this cross had no blood, no bruises, The cross was not a pretty place. In fact, it was, I don't know any other way to put it, but to the human eye, it was a disgusting sight. You see, the man who hung on that cross that day, before they ever nailed him to the cross, he had already been through quite an ordeal. Roman law required that before they could crucify a man, he had to first be scourged. Matthew 27, 26 tells us that this happened. Then released he Bar Barabbas unto them, and when he, he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So the first thing that happened here was that Jesus was scourged. Now, now let me tell you, before I even describe the scourging to you, you've got to remember that he has already been through a very sleepless, agonizing night. He's already spent time in such intense prayer that the Bible says that the sweat fell from him as if it were drops of blood. Now, whether or not it was blood, we don't know. The Bible says it was like blood. We do know this. There really is a medical condition whereby a person in a time of intense stress, actually the blood vessels begin to rupture and blood pours from the skin where sweat would normally be. If this is what happened to Jesus, then the medical doctors say that to experience something this intense would have by default caused his skin to become particularly tender. And so he's already exhausted from a sleepless night. He's already weakened from the depth of his agony. And in that condition, they take him and scourge him. The literal translation of this word scourging is whipping or flogging. This was perhaps the worst kind 
of flogging that could go on, what was done to Jesus, what was handed out by the Roman courts. It was um, not intended to be an execution in and of itself, and yet it was brutal enough and severe enough that some people did die just from the scourging. The purpose was not just to cause great pain, though it did that, but it was also to publicly humiliate the individual. Roman law banned certain citizens from being able to experience this because it was such a, a uh, tragic and horrendous form of punishment. Only slaves and non-Romans could be scourged. What happened in the scourging was that they would take a whip that had at least three strands of leather hanging from it. And at the end of that uh, strand of leather would be uh, weighted lead balls or pieces of sharpened bone or glass or metal. The instrument was designed to lacerate, to tear open the flesh. And the Roman soldiers had been trained to be able to take that whip, to place the sharp pieces at the end in such a way that it would dig deeply into the flesh of the individual being scourged. And then as they pulled the whip back, it would rip the flesh open and tear the muscles and the tendons. The person would be bound to a post or frame so tightly that they could not escape the whip. The beating would leave the victim bloody and weak and in unimaginable pain to the point of death. Now prior to scourging, you'll have to remember Jesus also had been beaten as the Roman soldiers had played their cruel game, blindfolding him and then hitting him in the face as hard as they could and saying, prophesy to us and tell us who hit you. I want to tell this congregation this morning, there was nothing pretty about the cross. I'm going to tell you that for most of us, if we were to have been able to see what Jesus really looked like at that moment, our stomachs could not handle what our eyes would behold. Then, after beating him, after whipping him, after ripping the flesh from his sides and back, they took him to two pieces of timber, laid him out across that. They prepared the crucifixion ahead of time by digging a deep hole 
where the cross would be planted. They would then lay the cross on flat ground and take the individual to be crucified and stretch their arms out as far as they could go and take a six to eight inch rusty nail and drive it through the wrist in such a place that it would sever nerves. The driving of the nails alone brought excruciating pain. And then they would take his feet and drive a nail through his feet as the feet were pressed flat against the cross, the knees slightly bent. It wasn't where he could stand upright, but his feet were nailed in such a place that he literally hung from the two nails in his wrists. The position of the arms and the body was quite unnatural. The arms were extended back. They were almost immovable. But a person really didn't want to move much because every motion gave them violent pain in their hands and feet. And it was not a rough, it was not a smooth cross like we have here. It hadn't been sanded. It hadn't been smoothed out. But there were pieces of wood and long splinters that were coming out of that cross. And remember, his back was already open and bleeding. And then to press him against that rough wood. Every time he moved, the wood was cutting deep into that exposed meat on his body. The exposure of so many wounds to the air would bring about a violent inflammation, which greatly increased the depth of the suffering they experienced position they were put in would change the circulation of the blood. More blood was carried out in the arteries than could be returned by the veins. And the consequence was there was a great increase, for example, in the, in the veins that went to his head and that created an intense violent headache that is unimaginable. The same was true of other parts of his body where the pressure was so intense it was a source of inexplicable misery. And the pain as bad as it was would grow steadily worse by the moment. There was no re relaxation. There was no rest. The victim would hope for death to come quickly because the suffering was so intense. And to complicate the matter,
matter, because of the way the arms were outstretched, the chest cavity was in a perpetually expanded state and that caused the victim to have a very difficult time breathing. They became dehydrated hanging in the sun. They had less blood to carry oxygen. The blood, the, the heart would begin to beat faster as it attempted to compensate. The need for oxygen would increase greatly. So the only way they could get any relief to their lungs was to press their feet against the nail and push themselves up trying to hold themselves in that position as long as they could to get as much air as they possibly could take in. And then they would collapse again and begin to struggle for every breath. Remember, every time they slid up the cross to breathe and slid back down, the wood was ripping already wounded flesh. Most experts agree that what ultimately would kill the crucified person was suffocation. They would die because they just could not get enough oxygen. Now I want you to picture in your mind's eye a man who is in that condition. A man whose face was beaten beyond recognition. His eyes, no doubt, were swollen and bloody. They've taken long thorns and plaited them together and pressed them deeply into his brow. There's blood running from all around his head. His back, his hands, his feet are bloody. He's struggling to breathe. I'm going to tell you there's something wrong with any individual who could stand and laugh at a man in that kind of condition. In fact, I submit to you that a person would almost have to be demonic find anything funny about what they were witnessing. And yet here in this condition, a man who did not deserve to die was being mocked by the people who gathered around him and the people who put him to death and one man who was dying beside him. Look at this. Let's read it again. Luke 23, verse 35. And the people stood beholding. The people, the crowd that was there, are beholding this mangled mass of humanity. Read. And the rulers also. The rulers. This is the religiously. I can't fathom anyone claiming to be a lover of God be looking at that sight with grief. 
the rulers also. With them, derided him. With them. Did what? Derided him. They did what? Derided. There are no tears of anguish. There's no repulsion. At the sight, they're making fun of that man. They're deriding him. And what are they saying to him? He saved others. You saved others. Let him save himself. Save yourself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. Save yourself is how they challenged him. Come on, let's see it. Let's see you get down off of that cross. You talk about being a healer. Let's see you heal these wounds. Let's see you close up the gaps in your back. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Save yourself. Evidently, it caught on. The crowd and the religious leaders started it. But we soon find others who joined in. Verses 36 and 37. And the soldiers. And the soldiers also, also mocked him. The soldiers who had put him in that condition began to join in the mocking. Coming to him. Coming to him. Offering him vinegar. Offering vinegar. And saying. And saying. Thou be the king of the Jews. If you're the king of the Jews. Save thyself. Save yourself. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Let's see you come down from there. Save yourself. They challenged him. Prove who you are by saving yourself. Started with the crowd and the religious leaders. It was picked up by the soldiers who put him in that condition. And then we hear another singular voice chiming in with the same mocking challenge. Verse 39. And one of the malefactors. One of those thieves. That were hanging. That was hanged, hanging with him, him. Saying. Said. If thou be Christ. If you're Christ. Save thyself. And save yourself. Come on Jesus. Come on Jesus. Save yourself. Three times in just a few verses. Jesus was given the same challenge. Over and over again. If you're really the Messiah, save yourself. Let me tell you something, church. There is no doubt he could have. You hear me? He could have saved himself. In fact, before they ever put him in this place, he stated that he had the ability to save himself. Matthew chapter 20. Four and, and uh, 26, I'm sorry, and verse 53. Listen to what he said. Thinkest thou that, Thinkest I, thou cannot that I cannot now, now pray, pray to my Father? father and he, and he shall presently give me more than, than 72,000 angels. Legion being about 6,000. And he said, if I wanted it, all I would have to do is speak. Twelve legions, 72,000 angels would come to my rescue. Don't you think for a moment 
that he didn't have the power to get off of that cross. Don't you think for a moment that he didn't have the ability to heal his own wounds. He had the power. He had the ability. He could have saved himself. And I ask you which one of us in that condition that I have described to you would not have gladly saved ourselves. Right? We don't get a headache without going to the medicine cabinet and finding some aspirin or ibuprofen. We don't want the least bit of pain. We don't want to deal with any problems. I don't want to feel any discomfort. Come on now. Modern day Americans, we can't stand it if it's summertime and the air conditioner goes out. How would you like to be beaten and hanging in a hot Middle Eastern sun? Which of us would not have saved ourselves if we had the ability to do so? I'm telling you, Jesus had the ability to save himself, and yet he refused. He made a choice. Now, let me show you something. I want to go back to what the thief said, because the rulers and the crowd were just saying, save yourself. The soldiers chimed in, save yourself. But by the time that the thief picked it up, he added something to that challenge. And I think what he said is crucial to our understanding of what I'm trying to convey to you today. Listen again, Luke 23 and 39. And one of the malefactors, one of those thieves, which were hanged, which were hanged railed on him, railed on him, saying, "If thou be Christ, if you're really the Messiah, save, save yourself and us, and save us." Now let me tell you something. Jesus had the ability to save himself. And Jesus had the ability to save the others. But I'm going to tell you, at that moment, there had to be a decision made because what the thief challenged Jesus to do was impossible. It was impossible. The thief didn't just say, save yourself. But he said, I want you to do two things. I want you to save yourself and save us. And I'm here to tell you, he could not do both. He had to choose. He had to decide, who am I going to save? Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. Listen to this. And for this cause, for this cause he is the, mediator, he of the, is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death. By means of what? Death. Of death. 
for the redemption, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament. Under the first testament. They, which are, they called, which are called might receive, might the, receive promise the promise of eternal, of eternal inheritance. inheritance. For where a testament, for is, where a testament is, there must also, there must also of necessity, be the death, be the death of, the of the testator. For a testament, for a testament is a force, is a force after, men, after are men are dead. Otherwise, otherwise it is of no, is strength, of no strength at all, at all while, while the, the testator liveth. You know, Testament here, testament here is a will. That's what it means. You know what a will is, the last will and testament. It doesn't matter if someone has you written into their will and they say that, that uh, when this will is put into force, you will inherit a million dollars. I want to tell you, that million dollars is not yours until the author of that will or the testator And when he dies, the will becomes effective. I'm here to tell you what Jesus came to earth to do was to institute the new testament, the new covenant, the new will that would allow man to not have to go to the tabernacle or the temple and shed the blood of animals, but he provided us with an opportunity where we could be saved, but the only way we could be saved is if the testator died. And so I tell you again, I tell you again, Jesus could not do what the thief challenged him to do. Jesus had to choose. He couldn't save himself and save the thief. If he saved himself from death, then he would not be able to save us. I'm here to tell you, Jesus made a willing choice. And he said, I am willing to die so that they might live. In fact, I believe Jesus was illustrating that choice in the very next verses of Scripture. This was verse 39 where he was issued the challenge, save yourself and save us. The very next verse is verse 40. But the other, but the other thief answering, rebuked, rebuked that first thief saying, and said, Dost don't you have any fear, fear God? of God? Seeing, thou art Seeing the same you're in the same condemnation, condemnation. And we, indeed we indeed justly, we deserve to be where we are For we receive because the we receive the due reward of our, our deeds. But this man, but this man has, done nothing amiss. has done nothing amiss. He said unto Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, remember me when, remember thou me when you and come into, into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto and him, Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou, today shalt thou be with me in be paradise. With me in challenge was save yourself and save us but Jesus made it clear no no I, I, I'm not going to do that I can't do both but what I am going to do I'm going to give my life so I can save you hallelujah 
Hallelujah. This was a choice. It wasn't made on the spur of the moment, Brother Jared. It wasn't just while he was hanging there and he knew he was going to die anyhow. This choice was made a long time ago. In the very early part of his ministry, he made it clear. Luke 19 and 10, he said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that I haven't come to save myself. I know where I'm headed. I know there's a cross in my future. I know there's a beating and a hanging that is waiting on me. But I didn't come here to save myself. I came here to seek and to save that which was lost this decision had been made long before Calvary in fact it was made long before his ministry began the book of Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 gives him a very unique name Revelation 13 and 8 says and all that dwell, all that dwell upon, the upon the earth shall worship, shall worship him, him whose, names whose names are not written in the book of life. In the book of life of the Lamb slain. Of the, of the Lamb, Lamb slain, slain from the foundation of the world. There was a decision made before God ever stooped down into the dust and fashioned mankind God had already made a decision. God had already made a choice. I know what it's going to take. This is my own creation. I have breathed breath into his nostrils, but I know what it's going to take to redeem him from sin. Before man ever sinned, God had a plan for redemption. And from the foundation of the world, there was a choice that was made. The only way you can live is if I I'll die. Hallelujah, Sister Becca, come. Jesus made a choice. He made a choice. I can't save myself and you. I can't do both. It's impossible. If I'm going to save you, then I can't save myself. I want to tell you something this morning, friend. Let's stand together. I want to tell you something. That's really what this whole thing is all about. It's because Jesus loved you enough. When he was on the cross, you and I we're on his mind. He's looking at it. He's got the ability. He can call 72,000 angels to come and pull the nails out of his hands. He can call the angels to obliterate that cross. But he didn't. He didn't because he loves you and he wanted to save you. He couldn't save himself and still save you. Does that mean anything to you today? Does it affect you at all that he was willing?
to go through all of that. Save yourself, Jesus. Physician, heal thyself. You've healed everybody else. Let's see you heal the stripes on your back. But he couldn't do it if he wanted to heal us. And he chose us. He chose to bear the stripes so we didn't have to. He chose to give his life so we don't have to. See, the Bible says the soul that sins, it shall die. Every individual has a death sentence on their head. But Jesus said, I tell you what I'll do. I know that he deserves to die. But let him go free. I will die in his place. I'm appealing to you today as we bow our heads and begin to talk to the Lord. I'm appealing to you today. Jesus ended his life so you could begin yours. When he said it is finished, it really had just begun. And his death certificate became our birth certificate. I'm preaching to you this morning. Does his death mean anything? Does the fact that he gave so much for you mean anything at all? He's not like Allah who asks his followers to die. But the God that we serve said, I'll die for you. All I want is for you to live for me. What about it today? Is there anybody in this building this morning that wants to let the Lord know I appreciate your sacrifice and I want to come. There was a group of people on the day of Pentecost that found out that Jesus had paid the price for them. In fact, Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, therefore let all, the, all house the house of Israel know assuredly that God, that God hath made, made that, that same, same Jesus, Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ both Lord and Christ and he said listen to me people he died because of you he died because of you verse 37 now and when they heard, when they heard this when they heard that he died for their sake they were pricked in their heart. They were pricked in their heart. Said unto Peter. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. The rest of the apostles men and brethren. And brethren what, what shall we do? Shall we do? And Peter. We, we recognize today he died for us. 
He died because of us. Now what do we do to fix the problem? Peter didn't say, well, you're going to have to go and be hung on a cross. You're going to have to go through scourging. You know, there are people that have done that all over the world. In the Philippines and in Central and South America, people that are trying to reenact the cross by literally being beaten and scourged and literally hung on crosses. Jesus doesn't want any of that. He did it for us. We're the ones that deserved it. But he's the one that took it so that we don't have to. So Peter didn't say, come up here and let us scourge you like you did him. Come up here and let us slap your face like you did him. Come up here and let us hang you on a cross like you did. That's not what he said. They said, men and brethren, tell us what to do about this. He died for us. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. This is all he's asking. He died for you. And all he asks in return is that you repent. That is, tell him you're sorry. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to help you change your life and turn it around. Repent. And be baptized. And be baptized. Every one of you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus in Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission, for the of, remission sins. of sins. Repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. And then let me take you to the water and put you down in that water in the name of Jesus so those sins you've just repented of can be washed away. And, and ye you shall, shall receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wasn't the gift of his life enough? Wasn't the gift of him going to the cross enough? But he's not through giving to us. If you'll just repent and be baptized, he said, he, he wants to give you more. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for the promise, the promise is, is unto you, you and to, to your, your children, children and to all, all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord, as the Lord our God shall call. He's calling to you today. His cross is calling to you today. His death is calling to you today. He died so you can live. Please don't reject that sacrifice. Please don't walk out today. Without letting him know you're sorry he had to die for you. And now in exchange, God, I'm going to live. the way you want me to live. These altars are open this morning. Does anybody feel like praying? Anybody feel like praying today? I would hope that all of us, all of us would feel like kneeling for a little while. 